and welcome in to another edition of 30 Rack of Sports. This is episode 5 on November 18th, a Monday. Greg here on my left, joined by Zach. Zach, thank you so much for making the journey up here on a Monday. Sorry I couldn't do it on Sunday. You're welcome for me being here and gracing you with my presence. That's not exactly what I call it, but uh, someone that was probably much too depressed with a uh, 0-10 start yesterday, but is on the ones and twos today. Josh, how's it going? It's going about as good as it could be. Um, We are a day late, but um, I had to work a lot this weekend, so I had the privilege of not watching the Bengals, actually. I only caught the fourth quarter of the game, which is about all I needed to see. Um, I blame them for my horrible fantasy football upset, Um, but all things considered, it's another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Another beautiful day in the state of Ohio. And as we do every week on 30 Rack of Sports, we enjoy a nice cold beverage during the show. Josh, what are we drinking? Uh, This is something, uh, it was supposed to be my pick, but we passed it off. Uh, We'll explain that later. Um, so Zach, you got this for us, right? No, Greg. Got oh, Greg, oh Craig, sorry, I got Craig, this. You for got us. this for us. I got us a nice land grant, a uh, Columbus beer, the Pool Party Pilsner. Cannonball! Pool Party Pilsner. Having a little Pool Party Pilsner, thanks to uh, Twitter user Thomas underscore Buckeye Five. Uh, Dickhead. We'll, we'll tweet out, uh, you know, hey, what beer do you want us to drink, and you know, shout us out. Um, Tell us what kind of beers you like, what what you want us to drink, and we will try our darndest to find it. Oh, my mm, goodness. That is good. Damn. That is fantastic. That wow. is for a Pilsner? Whoa. Woo. Whoa. My goodness. Uh, thank you, Thomas. Wow. Yeah, that is a nice call oh out, good. man. Wow. Uh, Pilsner, Ooh. wow. Yeah. That is a lot of flavor for a Pilsner, right? Or is that, that just me? No, I, this is very flavorful, uh, if I may. Uh, read, our, read our can here. Uh, whether at a five-star resort or in your neighbor's backyard, no pool party is complete without the crisp snap of a cold beer. This Pilsner takes its traditional malt base south of the equator with the addition of Southern Hemisphere hops known for their aromas of tropical fruit and citrus. Well, so, you know, there it's, you go. it's always a good time flavor. for a pool party in November in Ohio. So Definitely. That's why we're doing the show, lounging by the pool. Yeah. Puts hair on the chest, you know. I already got plenty. <laughs> We know what we also have plenty of this week, Zach. Plenty of news in the great state of Ohio. You know it. So we're going to start off with uh, a little bit of news from uh, late last week. On Thursday night, the Browns got a big win over the Steelers. 21-7, to Uh, Baker Mayfield, 193 yards, two touchdowns, Chubb had 92 yards, Uh, Mason Rudolph, four picks, and fun stat, this is the first time in Browns franchise history that they've beaten both the Steelers and the Ravens in the same season. So that was wonderful, guys. Um, Anything else happen? uh, It was a pretty uneventful hmm. game. The Thursday night, uh, the Browns, you know, won. It was a late game, so I think everyone kind of got to sleep you know, early. Yeah, so. I think I think you turned it off. Right. You, you got to bed. You you got your wool slippers on or whatever old people wear to bed nowadays, and 
Tool had, a good night, had a good night rest? Oh, no, wait. Um, I, I was just informed. And by just informed, I mean I saw with my own eyes on Thursday night that there was a wee bit of a brawl on Thursday night. I call it a melee. A melee, brawl, fracas. A slugging. Slugfest. I mean, really, it's nothing that should be a surprise to the state of Ohio. It's just another... Guy named Garrett going after a Pittsburgh team, right? Trash <laughs> flinging, sash ringing. I mean, I just love Baker Mayfield summed that up best. Just feels like we lost. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, what? Cleveland I right mean, there. Browns everything. can't even win correctly. <laughs> there, were, there were plenty of uh, headlines. I know one from ESPN was, even when the Browns win, they somehow managed to lose. And if any of you guys were living under the proverbial, proverbial sorry, sports rock, during the last week, uh, late in the Thursday night game, and I'm going to try to do this as unbiasedly as possible. So stop me if I if I get too far. Here he goes, myself. folks. Uh, late in the game, the Browns were up 21 to seven. The Steelers were just trying to get something going at the end. Uh, Rudolph had gotten sacked a couple times, and it was about third and we'll say I don't know 20 something. Uh, they run a little kind of. Um, almost screen kind of swing pass to uh, Jalen Samuels and Garrett hits Rudolph right as, or maybe a little bit after he's thrown. Some people said it was a late hit. I, I thought it was fairly close, but kind of throws him down after he gets thrown down. Rudolph starts to reach for the back of Garrett's helmet. Garrett then in return rips off Rudolph's helmet. Uh, David DeCastro, the Steelers' left guard, tries to kind of de-escalate the situation by kind of pushing Garrett away. Well, as Garrett gets picked up and pushed away, there is kind of a kick towards the groin of Garrett. And I don't know if it was because of that or because of something else, but then Garrett seemed to lose it, started freaking out, kind of swinging stuff wildly. And then Rudolph runs over to the place where Garrett's at, kind of starts screaming at him again, and then Garrett swings the helmet and connects with his face Thankfully, bottom down, not with the crown, or that could have done some real damage, but swung with the bottom down, hit Rudolph in the head. He turns around and is looking for a foul. But after that, some of the Steelers fan or some of the Steelers players obviously take offense to that, jump him, take him down. Uh, Pouncey, the Steelers center, was very upset, you know, tackled him and then ended up kind of punching him and kicking him in the head a couple of times. An outstanding citizen, by the way. So, um, also at the end, after some of the fracas, uh, Larry Ogunjobi, the Browns uh, defensive tackle, also pushed um, Mason Rudolph. So, at the end of the day, um, Ogunjobi got a game. Uh, Pouncey got a three-game suspension for, you know, punching and kicking Miles Garrett. And then Garrett got an indefinite suspension that will span at least the rest of the year. Um, and then we'll have to reapply for reinstatement. Uh, he is everyone's appealing, which is just what you do in the NFL. Uh, so they'll be heard sometime this week. And then, according to Goodell, just came out with some words, uh, said that they'll meet with him during the off season, and said they wanted to make a quick, swift punishment that you know um, let them know that there's no place for any of this in the game. And as a Browns fan, and you know, as has kind of already been said, it's just. You know, even when the Browns win, they they find a way to lose. Um, it's just something that's 
completely unacceptable in the game. It's something that you don't want to see. It's something that you hate to see your own player do it, whether or not he was instigated or anything else. There, it's just something you cannot do, and it hurts your team, and it hurts everybody else, and maybe there should be something you know, the other way, but at the end of the day, Garrett got the rest of the season, which is kind of what we expected, and, and it, he should come down harshly. And, you know, it could have just been a, a second lapse in judgment, but it's it's something that you're going to have to clean up because it doesn't matter how upset you get or, or what was said or what was done. You, you can't hit someone in the head with a helmet. No, but I like how uh, Rudy got off with like a 35K. What was it, 35K fine? Yeah, right it was a, a first-time for fighting fine. He got a first-time for fighting. I mean, Miles, I don't know. I you gotta come down hard, but I would have been fine with the four game. I don't know. You can't all all things considered, like you can you can you can say that more penalties should have been uh and by penalties I mean suspensions mm-hmm. or harsher fines could have been handed out elsewhere, but for Miles Garrett's situation, no matter what, you cannot use your equipment as a weapon on the field. Right. You, you just can't. No, and, and I mean, when you and when you do you've essentially used you know, a weapon on the field, a blown object, if you will, on the field. I just, like, I'm not a do, fan of that. the victim, the victim. No, no absolutely here. not. Yeah. Claiming he's a victim. Yeah. I'm sorry. You start, like, if I go up to a bar, I go to a bar and I just pu- push some guy and that guy cold cocks me. Yeah, he escalated, but I mean, I instigated it. No one's going to feel bad for me. <laughs> you shouldn't. <laughs> I'll feel bad for you. You feel bad. A little thank bit. You, thank you. No problem. Man. But I'm just saying, I don't know. I don't. I agree. I don't have a problem with Garrett's suspension, but just this idea that Rudolph gets in. He calls him a coward. Yeah, you want to go see him in yeah, the parking I, lot? I, when you go see this coward in the parking lot? I don't lot? think oh, Rudolph has done himself any favors in uh, his press conferences. It seems like a lot of the time when stuff like that happens, just de-escalate the situation. Don't try to keep bringing it up, and it seems like he's kind of digging himself. Because he doesn't want to talk about the four interceptions that he threw. Well, that's the other thing. <laughs> I mean, on a lighter note, you know, a lot of people are saying, "I can't believe Garrett did this because Mason Rudolph was the Browns' best player well, all night." That, so. Yeah, I mean, it, it but, sucks. I think because you said late in the game, this was like eight seconds, seconds left. left. That's the worst part of it. It's just like, man, but that's really out of character. For Garrett too, See, and that's which what is I'm, the like one, a bummer about it. The one thing that that's interesting, well, the one thing that's that's really tough about it, and you know, I understand it's a lapse, and you know, he deserves the punishments that yeah. that he gets. I think, but he's one of those guys that's been you know great in the community, a great guy, has has done a lot of good stuff, but now he's one of those guys that's lab- going to be labeled as a dirty player for the rest of his career. He's yep. going to get you know some of the the uh, Indomitian Sioux or perfect treatment, everything he does is going to be under the microscope. And then also a lot of people go back and play some of the results game that, oh, he's been a dirty player all year. He's got a bunch of these, you know, unnecessary roughness hits. Mm -hmm. And some of them are just a little bit late hits. Uh, I know early in the season, he broke Trevor Simeon's uh, ankle, but some of that was, you know, a split second hit that, you know, Simeon's leg went back and it was just kind of a freak accident. And it's a shame that, you know, um, he's going to be labeled as a dirty player for the rest of his, you know, rest of his career. And anything that he does, you know, I mean, he looks at someone the wrong way, he could get suspended. So it's, you know, it's disappointing, uh, especially at a, you know, a very crucial moment in the season, but it's, it's on himself. I mean, you know, you can look at a lot of other things and you can, you can, you know, you can rationalize it. You know, sometimes you see people, you know, 
push them or, you know, knock people down or, or kick people when they're down. And some of that's, you know, out of line, but sometimes you can rationalize it. You know, not, I've tried my best to rationalize it, but swinging a blunt object is so much I'm not head rationalizing it. I'm just by everybody's like shock and awe of the situation. It's a violent game these guys play, and to see guys flip out doesn't excuse it. But it's not shocking to me in the least bit. That game was chippy as hell the whole time. That game was very chippy. That's partly on, yeah. not excusing, but some of that's on the referees. They need to do a better job. Like they were nowhere to be seen. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. get me wrong. I don't want to get in that either. But, but like, yeah, come you got, on, you got to run in you there. You got to break and, that up and try to. Yeah, that's. Um, you got to break that up quickly. I mean, there have been there. You know, there were a couple Steelers players that got knocked out of the game. One of them, you know, um, mm-hmm. ended up in Demarius Randall getting ejected. The other one was kind of a play where it was kind of a jump ball where where you know it kind of came down. But it was definitely chippy from both sides. Yeah. I mean, there were some hits. There was a lot of talking. You know, between. Literally everybody from Mike Tomlin all the way down from, you know, anyone on the Brown sidelines, Odell Beckham, everybody else. So it was certainly something that um, I will say, knowing everybody's okay, pretty hilarious, though, right? (laughs) I mean, I'm just saying, like, he got beat with his helmet almost, like, hilarious. I don't know. Well, if you want to see any more hilarity, uh, good news. Don't have to wait too long for that rematch. Browns and Steelers play again in two weeks. Uh, CBS or uh, the NFL just came out and said they flexed that game. It was supposed to be a four twenty-five game to a one o'clock game. So basically, trying to get it as far away from the <laughs> national spotlight as possible. Um, there are going to be so many flags in that game, whether oh, yeah. deserved or not, by both teams, because mm-hmm. they are going to make sure nothing even close to that happens. So. Um, Expect a flag fest in two weeks. and um, Does Cam be Hayward beat Baker with his helmet, though? Does um, he, what, what What did you just say? Hayward, does he beat Baker with his helmet? Honestly, I'm most interested to see how... We're getting a repeat rematch. I don't think so. There might be some late hits on Baker. Who knows? But the other thing is it's going to be Baker real in interesting to see who what's going to happen with Rudolph because like I said Rudolph has not done a whole lot to ingratiate himself to um the Browns in general except for you know or the four Steelers free gifts. fans or Steelers general. fans well well and I'll tell you you this Zach to answer answer your question is that um in Ohio this year Garrett's versus Pittsburgh teams have fared fairly well uh, I think they're now three and zero in Garrett's versus Pittsburgh melees um, with Amir Garrett's actions against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeah. Um, and in that case, there were a few rematches of that. So if uh, the trend follows, I think we could see a. Uh, but another the NFL brawl is at least a next... little better at policing yes. than Major League yes. Baseball just sweeps everything under the rug and then is shocked like, when it happens again. What do you mean they're throwing <laughs> at people? This never happens in the game except for, you know. Probably a dozen times. Rob Manfred is the highest paid do nothing person on the face of the earth. Oh, huh. and we'll we'll certainly get to. Oh yeah, 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 yeah no, he does, we'll get to. We'll does nothing. But, slow down uh, here. <laughs> I guess to wrap up on this game, the Browns move to four and six, which is nice. You know, have Miami next week. Uh, they're you know, ten and a half point favorites right now, but. Uh, it's disappointing, and um, you know, there's still there's still some chatter about it at the press conference. I'm going to be real interested to see, I guess, how the team responds from it. 
going forward, and um, that game in two weeks is going to be quite the show. I love how you said four and six. That's pretty nice. Like <laughs> that does sound pretty nice, actually. That sounds pretty good. I'd love to have four and six. Look, when you win three, when you win three games in you know, or four games in three years, four games in a year is pretty nice. But uh, yeah, Josh, I'm sure you're. You're yeah, kind you know. of begging for a win here as we go to, uh, well, go out to Oakland for the game as the Bengals fall to the Oakland Raiders 17-10, to tying their worst start in uh, franchise history at 0-10. They've lost 12 straight games and 17 of their last 18. Um, in that game, defense played pretty well, kept Oakland only 17 points. Uh, the... Rushing attack, Mixon at 86 yards. They had 173 yards as a team. But the, um, I don't know, Josh, do you want to call him the savior? The new guy on the block, Ryan Finley, 13 of 31, 115 yards, a pick and a fumble lost. Eh. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you right now, no one's being a savior behind that offensive line. Uh, No one's being a savior on the field. I I don't care if you're A.J. Green I don't care, quite frankly, if you're Anthony Munoz to play in the under the heads you have now of the organization to deal with the stuff that you have to deal with there. I think they've got Zach Taylor brainwashed at this point because he. We're talking about if I want to win, do I want to win? Sure. It, like I said last on last week's episode, I'd love to see one more game where they looked like they did at Seattle, where they looked like a coherent, competitive team at least. Yeah. But but what I want more than anything is is. Like I said last week, a plan. Like somebody, like draw up a plan here. And when asked about this after this game uh, on Sunday, Zach Taylor said, "Quote: uh, We need uh, no. We need." This was an answer to whether uh, they're looking to the future now that they're officially eliminated from the playoffs. Yeah, Finally. earliest uh, earliest to be eliminated from the playoffs since two thousand two. A team. So. And they, he was asked, do you or the front office focus on rebuilding for next year? Is there a point where you just turn the page? Zach Taylor said, quote, no, we need momentum, and that starts with a win and then another win. We're just searching for that first one. It's like, are you really searching for a win streak now? Like, why? Well, that's his job. Well, you're, when you're a coach and you're a yeah. professional player, you can't be – I mean, they're all going to win whether or not because their jobs are on the line and you don't want to be – if you're the coach that goes 0-16, like, that's with you forever. You know you know sure. who Hugh yeah. Jackson is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, he's he's getting dangerously close close to breaking uh, Shula's record. I mean, I'm pretty sure he's tied that now with the 0-10 start. Like, yeah. if you go past that, you're entering very dark territories in Cincinnati history, and that's hard to do. Um, but just the answer to that question, I understand his answer, but the answer to that question, like, will somebody please answer that question is that when do we turn the page? When do we start the rebuild? What is the plan here? Well, and honestly, the one way you can tell that there's no plan is because there's not even a plan week to week. Um, you know, there was some discussion. They were talking to Zach Taylor because the, Raiders defensive coordinators, former Bengals defense or defensive coordinator Paul Gunther, and they were asking Taylor, "Hey, did they throw anything at you that you weren't prepared for, or you weren't ready for, or something that you didn't game plan for?" And he said, "No, we we expected what we saw out of them." And it's like you have a rookie quarterback who's obviously was very uncomfortable last week, and I mean he didn't help himself. He missed a lot of open receivers, a lot of open receivers, but at some point you have to. 
you have to create the best game plan you can. And I feel like one, they didn't do that. And two, you know, I mean, I know they don't have the personnel to have a great game plan, but you have to have some sort of well, plan. Well, for somebody who got hired under the idea that they're um, an offensive guru, you should be able to come up with something to give you more than 10 points. But you know? Yeah. And, uh, and the and the Bengals are just ab- getting absolutely scorched thin at wide receiver right now. So I understand, but like even like like Joe Mixon was like hardly getting touches at the beginning of the year. And I mean, I think that's got to contribute to some of his struggles. Oh, yeah. But then you also just you can't escape. You will never be able to escape the mistakes of the front office giving twenty one million dollars to someone like Bobby Hart, who has never on a PFF scale has never graded over 60 before ever in his entire career Damn. with the Giants and Bengals ever. Yeah. And you has can't, scored higher than that. $21 million. I think your point though, when you're talking about I think what Zach Taylor is saying and what the coach, their job is this week when you're an NFL, yes. but I, what you're, what you're speaking to. And I think that's what you mean is it's the front office who needs to develop hope and show that there's a plan and that's and that's yes, that's what I'm trying to get at is that that the coaches and players, while they are dealing with the week to week, it's hard to deal with that week to week when you have all that looming over your mm-hmm. head. When your boss tries to keep himself as far away from you guys as possible yeah. and gives you few resources as possible, it's hard to do that day to day. So at a certain point, you have you have got to fix the organization as a whole before you can start to focus on the day-to-day stuff. Yeah. Because right now you don't have the pieces and the resources to do the day-to-day stuff. No, they only have like eight picks, right? In this right. draft? Right, like I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Like I do genuinely be, believe that they're all out there giving it their all Yo, and trying yeah. to win the week players, to week. Yeah. But, but like you have a guy who is never graded over 60 yeah, on PFF. The yeah. players are just, some of the players are just bad. I'm yeah, sorry. You can't, you, it's the roster. Yeah, when you don't have, a, I mean, you have to have a roster to win. And you can even see it with, you know, um, certain places like the Rams, their offensive line's been very banged up. They had to trade for a, you know, backup guard from the Browns. And at some point, you know, when you have bad offensive line play, you can't do anything on offense. And when you don't have the wide receivers you need, you can't do anything on offense. And then they also don't help themselves. I mean, Mixon was running, you know, actually had a good game. And they gave him, you know, 15 rushes. And it wasn't like they were, you know, they were playing catch up, but it wasn't like they were down, you know, 20, 17 points. They were down seven most of the game. You know, they were up or they were down seven. I think they were down two possessions for like a five minute drive when they got back within, you know, within a touchdown. So at some point they just, I I mean, they've got to figure it out. They were three of 13 on third down. You know, they weren't putting themselves in in good positions. And then. I mean, at some point, you just look at that roster and you go, the linebackers are slow, the offensive line is bad, the defensive line is old, and you look to the future and you can go, yeah, maybe we'll get a you know, a Burrow or, or whatever quarterback, but you don't have anything around him and you're not trying to get better as in a mass draft picks or, you know, it's not like Cincinnati yeah. is a huge free we talk, agent destination we, or oh anything. God, no. We talked about how many picks the Dolphins have picked up through mm-hmm. trades this year. Greg, you just said that the Rams with their offensive line problems, they traded for someone. How, how do you do that? Is that that's something you can do in the NFL? Yeah. And, and the thing not is, if you're Cincinnati, you know what? And the thing is, I mean, he was a second round pick and they, but the Browns had taken something that they basically weren't going to use in a backup offensive lineman and got a, 
fourth round pick out of it. And it's like, you know, you, you look across the league and you'll see tons of fourth, fifth, sixth round players that, that are starters. So if you're not going to try to do anything, you know, sell off anybody, I'm sure the Bengals have tons of guys that are, you know, in the last couple of years of their contract, trade off someone, trade to someone that's, you know, in more of a win now mode and has a hole in their lineup or anything, but they're just not doing it. And at this point, over the last two years, they haven't tried to improve this roster at all. And no. I mean, it, it seems like every week we're bringing this up again, but you yeah, see it I, every week. I know. I, yeah, I know. I probably sound like a broken record here, but I mean, there's there's some poor fool. I'd love to get this guy on the show. That poor fool living on his roof. Like that guy made that bet. That's from that's from a famed legend back in uh, a darker times, if you can believe, where a bar owner went and lived on his the roof of the bar while the Bengals were on a losing streak. Some guy decided to make a similar bet, I think, in like week four or something. I think this was like still up there. Like week two. Yeah, it was very early on in the season, and the guy is still up there. He's got like a little own like living room. Like, yeah, I mean, it's he's got like a Lebowski style rug up there. Like, I'm sure it's not like he's roughing it. I mean, he's got. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure it's cold as hell up well, there. Say, other than insulated? that, other than that, it's not bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe he's just you know trying to get away from the wife or something like that. Hey, maybe. 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 We'll see. That's like those guys that buy, drive those uh, mini buses that are orange and black, striped, painted like the Bengal stripes, yeah. and it's just like, man, get yourself some dignity or another right. hobby or something. Well, like, maybe moving on to some sports teams in Ohio, or some football teams in Ohio that. Maybe have some dignity and have some hope. They got quite a lot uh, of dignity. We're going to move to Columbus. Whoop, whoop. Well, actually, was it in Columbus or was it in Piscataway? I didn't, it, was, I didn't, it was in Piscataway. That's right. It was in Columbus Columbus Light because so many of the New York, oh, Ohio yeah. State fans showed up. It looked, yeah. Ohio State beat Rutgers 56-21. to 21. Um, It was never really a game. It was just how much they were going to beat Rutgers by. Fields only threw 19 passes, but that 300-plus yards, four touchdowns. Dobbins had, you know, 80-plus yards. So, I mean, not a whole lot to stay on this game, but uh, the only fun little stat is this is the second time this year that Ohio State has not covered. They were 52-point favorites. But uh, that is a lot. the only two games that, that they have not covered this year against the powerhouses of Rutgers and Florida Atlantic. Ooh. So usually if you're looking to buy a team, Ohio State's team to, to go for it, right, Zach? Oh, definitely. No, nah, I mean, yeah, you're right. Not a lot to say. Um, do you want to point out Justin Fields, you know, 31 touchdowns to one interception is his ratio right now. Um, I think that's through this many, that's the that's the best ratio ever in college football, I'm pretty sure. Wow. Or I might just be spouting on my ass. But, I mean, it certainly could be true. Um, Yeah, but I mean, Dobbins, once again, no second half carries. He, so close to passing Eddie for third all-time. Um, he'll definitely get there, obviously. And honestly, just ready to go, right for Penn State. So uh, as you alluded to, Penn State, the for whatever reason, a noon game. Noon game on Saturday. Don't get it. Uh, early line is Ohio State 18-point favorites. So, yeah, I'm, I well, mean, right so far, Ohio State's rolled through anyone. The only two times they didn't cover is because they were gigantic <laughs> favorites. Um what do you expect out of this game? I guess it's it's you know it's the last home game of the year. I I don't expect a lot honestly. I think I I would take that. I'd take the over or nineteen. I would take that. You can, I mean I think they'll 
they'll continue the 24 point win streak that's, that's exactly I what i'm thinking that. i'm I, it State might be close shown... in the first quarter maybe if someone like comes out sleepy but but eventually ohio state's going to kick it into ohio gear ohio state's and... been looking forward to this game so i think they're going to be jacked about it uh, penn state they have a good rush defense terrible pass defense offenses offense is up and down but they have so many running backs that you never know what's going on. Um, I mean, I think it will be, you know, Penn State will put some points up. But, you know, the return of Predator, Chase Young, and, you know, he's going to be feasting. Yeah, he's going to be, he's gonna gonna be, gonna be ready to go. Um, so, no, I don't I don't really – I don't think it will be a good game by the time we hit the fourth quarter. Let's put it that way. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, Penn they, State just barely slipped by Indiana last week right. uh, by seven points. So, you know – Coming off a loss to Minnesota, at least got the win. They are nine and one, but they really have their they really have their kind of um, backs against the wall. Uh, I wasn't super impressed by their offense or anything. I mean, Clifford, the the uh, Saint X product from Cincinnati, you know, was only eleven of twenty three in the last game, so not doing great. Uh, they have four running backs. If they can find a hot one, you know, maybe get some stuff on the board but they've just been too reliant on the big play and haven't been you know um consistent enough on offense and the defense has some players but like you said they're not a fully formed defense to where you know uh ohio state has been great in both the pass and the run game that they will find ways to i mean if you want to nitpick ohio state and this is nitpicking but their one weakness i guess you would say on defense is the rush attack. I mean, you can run the ball a little bit against them. I mean, Rutgers had some success with some options and stuff. But the point is, Ohio State's offense, I mean, they were up 14 nothing. Granted, with some help from turnovers. But so they were 14 nothing three minutes into the game. I mean, they just score like that. And you can't run the ball, run the clock. That's why. I, yeah. I think they're going to have to put the ball up. And that's one of the best secondaries in the country. Yeah. I think if you're, well, honestly, I think if you're Penn State, you probably got to try to play ball control, limit the offense, and then hope for a turnover or a fumble or something you well, know, yeah. fluky, fluky to the yeah. point where the game yeah. would have to get weird I, I yeah i would expect i think 18 is a decent number i would expect ohio state by about two touchdowns maybe a backdoor cover or something like that mm. but i expect it to be you know a ho-hum maybe game. a maybe a decent game for about a quarter and a half right so. um going to a another game that Certainly wasn't a ho-hum game down in... Um, the Cardiac Cats. Tampa. Something like that. Uh, Cincinnati goes to 9-1, and one, uh, only loss being to Ohio State with a 20-17 to 17 win over South Florida. Uh, Sam Croza with his second game-winning field goal over the powerhouses of East Carolina and South Florida. Um, difficult game all around. Uh, just some stats. Desmond Ritter was hurt on, I believe, the first or the second drive. So it was not himself. Only nine of eighteen for seventeen yards. Thank goodness, Michael. Seventy-eight yards. Or seventy-eight yards. Sorry, uh, Michael Warren had one hundred and thirty-four yards in the touchdown. But really, <laughs> the only thing, the only reason why UC was able to win this game is the defense played bend but don't break, allowed some big plays but did not allow too many touchdowns. And then um, you got to feel bad for the USF kicker Spencer Schrader. Uh, one for five on the on the night. Ooh. Missed a couple of long ones, but one with about two minutes left that would have given USF the twenty to seventeen lead, and then UC right was the able post. to uh, yeah, right off the post, and then UC was able to 
work their way down thanks to a, a pass by Ritter, but a screen pass that went for about 30 yards. So a so run, a run. Basically a glorified run. Well, so. that, was his, that was his longest of the day, too. Yeah, and I mean, looking at it, UC in their last three games has, they blew out UConn in the middle, but it struggled against East UConn Carolina. UConn doesn't count. And that's what I mean, yeah. <laughs> against East Carolina and against USF have won by three. Um, watching the game, you got to question the decision of Fickle. I understand wanting to keep your leader and Ritter out there, but time and time again, you could see him. He was just not right. He was moving the shoulder around a lot. He was nowhere near accurate on his throws. And I understand that wanting, you know, Ben Bryant is a redshirt freshman pressure situation. Want to get the guys that have been there out, you know, out there, but Ben Bryant's got an arm and you just needed someone who could complete passes on some sort of a reasonable clip because I mean, nine of 18 for 78 yards, maybe gets it done against USF when their kicker misses four field goals, (laughs) but against Temple and against Memphis in the next two games, they're going to need some quarterback play because those teams can at least score somewhat or at least more than USF. And, you know, it's one of those get in, get out. We got the win, but you know, if they want, if they want to make it, I, their goal probably at this point is cotton bowl. If they want to make it to the cotton bowl and win the AAC championship, they're going to have to play a lot better than they did on Saturday night. Yeah. That's, that's been the trend this month. And, and with Ritter, yeah. And, and fickle said after the game, he was asked quite a bit about this. And he said after the game, that Ritter has earned the right. He asked Ritter, are you good to play? Ritter said, I'm good to play. I want to stay in. I want to win this game. And Fickle has said that he has earned that right. And and I've, I have so much respect for, for that kind of relationship between a player and a coach, especially a quarterback and a coach. Like, so much respect for that. At a certain point, though, you have to coach. And yeah, you, have yeah. to, you have to be the manager of the team, and you have to recognize – this kid's hurting. This kid's not at his best. This is maybe not our best shot to go win this game. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and like you said, Greg, Ben Bryant's not terrible. He's yeah. got an arm that can, you know, you just need completions. You need and to move the ball downfield. A at lot that of point. times he's been playing with backups, and I think yeah. with some of the starters, he can complete some passes. And when a guy's hurt, it's not fair to the rest of your team because if he's going to not complete passes and hurt your team on third down, you can't have him out there. No, but... As, a, as the Ohio State fan here, a man who coached under Jim Trestle learned his trade that way. Um, any Ohio State fan will tell you he's not going to make a change like that. I mean, that's just that's sounds right about what Fickle's going to do. I think the worrying part, if you're Fickle though, is besides the Ohio State blip, you're feeling good. But this is the time of year where you're supposed to start. Yeah, you're supposed clicking. to start You're supposed up. to be on all cylinders right now. And I think, like you, Greg, you pointed out, you know, they got a tough stretch here with. Um, Temple and uh, Memphis, so that's a bit worrying. I don't know. Yeah, and uh, you know, just to mention, they did uh, clinch a share of the um, AAC East title. So with a win in one of their next two games, they would go to the championship. But uh, as we had mentioned earlier, you know, um, with the Cotton Bowl being a goal, you want to win out because you don't want to put it in you know the hands of. You know Memphis to make it, or if you fall a couple times and still win the AAC championship, uh, you I mean, know, Boise State or something leapfrogging you. So you have to get things together and you have to win games because after a big Ohio State loss, which is really being held against you, 
I mean, sort of understandably, but I mean, it really shouldn't. Yeah. Be. <laughs> um, you know, you just you just got to get they it have done to at win this out. point, and you you have to win out. Yeah. If you want to, unless you want to play it, you know, in the Liberty Bowl or the Gasparilla Bowl or the <laughs> Gasparilla, Military Gasparilla. Bowl or the Hawaii Bowl, then you know, if you want to play in a big bowl that people are actually going to watch and take notice nationally, right. you're going to have to win out. And I think. That's one thing with being an AAC team and being kind of an overlooked team is you want to get your chance on the national stage mm-hmm. to prove it. Yeah, I I trust that everything will go okay. I mean, when you look, the only thing that concerns me is that is that this injury is going to set back Ritter even further. If if you take a look at where his numbers are, I mean, he is on pace to about finish where he was last year numbers-wise. But, I mean, when you hit a skid like that, like you really have to worry, and especially like Greg, you and I were saying when we were at that UConn game last week. I mean, I mean, he was just missing throws that you cannot miss, missing yeah. easy wide open throws against UConn, yeah. And then games like that against USF. If you want to go to the Cotton Bowl, if you want to win the AAC, mm-hmm. like Memphis will not take that. We saw yeah. the Memphis SMU game how ferocious those defenses were. Yeah, and mm-hmm. then if you go up a point, if you're playing a Power Five defense, even the Heck, even a Big 12 defense will make you look silly when you do whoa, stuff whoa, like whoa. that. Whoa, <laughs> whoa, Let's not get crazy, but yeah. Well, and then and, and that that and coupled with with the penalties are, are just you you've got you've got to tighten up on so many things. I mean, you cannot have 10 penalties for 62 yards against a Power 5 team. You cannot have you cannot miss the easy third and five mm-hmm. slants, the easy wide open crosses that are going to set you up. Those those big plays those easy conversions, those stupid false starts, you've got to eliminate all of that if you think yeah. you're going to go win the AAC against Memphis or play in the Cotton Bowl. But I guess, honestly, looking back, if you would have said at the beginning of the season, UC, I think, was uh, slated in Vegas, over-under was about six and a half wins. If you stayed nine and one with the only loss to Ohio State, you'd take it, you know, get in, get out of Tampa and, it's a coachable moment, I guess, yeah. for, for Temple. Yep. All, all things considered, I just yep. Keep keep on rolling. Keep on so going. speaking of teams that have just kept on rolling, we go from college football to college basketball. Ohio State with a big win oh, on yeah. Wednesday, beating uh, Villanova, who was a top ten team at the time, has now fa- has now fallen seventy six to fifty one. Had a big lead at halftime. Five guys with in um, double, double figures. figures. Wesson had a double-double. I mean, this Ohio State team certainly has a high ceiling. And I know they have yeah. some young guys, but they have Wesson, who's an All-American candidate. So mm-hmm. No, they, they are. This is, a, this is a different Ohio State team, though, than we remember from the Thad Mata days. This is a it team is that's a really going to be yeah. built around defense. And yeah. if they can have, like, a, I mean, the point was, against Nova, they had, um, like Holtman said it, that's, it's perfect game. That's not going to happen every week um, or every game. But, you know, I mean, they shot 60%, 56 from three. Nova really just missed a lot of shots, and they might be a little overrated. Yeah. But, I mean, obviously a big, nice win. Preseason to put on the top 25 yeah. means nothing. So. Um, no, but it's a nice – it's a good yeah, win a good on win. that resume. And, yeah, I think they have the upside to be a Final Four team. I think they're going to be built more around the defense this year. Um but yeah, it's it's exciting. This is the year going in that people are like, "All right, is Holtman gonna? He's got his guys in there. Is he gonna start getting it really rolling?" And so yeah, I mean, I think for a team that a lot of people picked 
not, you know, kind of four through six in a lot of the Big Ten teams. I think that's, you know, I think it's a team that's going to be probably hopefully, hopefully one or two. Yeah. And I mean, you know, have a couple of easy games this week and, you know, yeah. start to move into, you know, some more of the schedule. They got some big, you know, not other non conference games. I think you know, they played unranked, but always dangerous West Virginia. And they still got Kentucky and North Carolina. So, yeah. So, certainly some, some difficult games ahead. Um, also, just, Wrapping up real quick in college basketball, uh, Cincinnati went two and zero this week against some you know undermatched competition, Drake and Alabama A and M. But the big story from this weekend, uh, Jaron Cumberland was held out of the Alabama A and M game. Uh, was a uh, did not play coach's decision. Uh, so far, Brandon's been very tight lipped about it, uh, just saying, "Hey, it's a coach's decision. You know, we'll we'll reevaluate. You know, before the next game." You know, they don't play again till till Friday in the Paradise Jam. Uh, you know, some sources, you know, are saying maybe foot injury, did have a foot injury over the summer, but from a lot of the reports that we're getting, there are some issues that, uh, you know, may be unhappy with how the offense is running. And, you know, he was the star of the team going for, you know, mm-hmm. the last couple of years, AAC Player of the Year last year. So um, certainly something to keep your eye on, but... Uh, Hopefully something that can get figured out because uh, Jaron, you know, UC really needs Jaron. They need have, you know, they have some pieces that we've seen, you know, in the first couple of games. They've been very up and down, but they certainly have the ability to be a decent team this year, and, and they're going to need Jaron. And I can't stand it when he gets like this. I mean, he's he's shown moments of this before, but and if he's and if he's injured, then yeah, I mean, let's let's sit him out for now. But but if it is true that he is not really getting along with Brennan and is kind of upset about the way this new offense is working. Like you have, you have other offensive weapons now. Like that doesn't mean that you can't still be the offensive leader and be the star. You came back, you made the decision to come back. Yeah. So you could be the star of this team and lead this team. You just don't have to and carry the load. Yeah. Now. You just don't have to carry the load. Exactly. Yeah. And I know some of it is maybe minutes and whatnot, but I think when the, when the schedule starts to ramp up more and the, you know, the offense and defense finally start to take shape, I'm sure at the end of a close game, they're going to want Jaron to take the shots. Cause oh, he yeah. is yeah. no doubt the best player on that team, but he's just going to have to figure out how to mesh himself into the new offense and, you know, maybe some of that's a little give and take between both him and Brandon, but well, it's something that we're, they're going to need to figure he's out. He's just got to buy in. Yeah. Yes. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I always take the coaches on that end. They're the coach. You know, you buy in. Well, we've got uh, yeah, we've got some segments to get into, some some questionnaires and whatnot to ask you guys. Um, and please... Hit us up on Twitter and Facebook, uh, 30rack podcast um, on Twitter and Facebook. Um, Greg, if you want to introduce these segments for us. Yeah, sure. Uh, so we got a we got a few fun segments. Uh, we'll we'll post them on Twitter. Hopefully our social media intern has learned how to spell. And uh, you know, that we'll, guy, we'll, we'll post them <laughs> after the show. But a uh, few little fun questions. So obviously being an Ohio sports podcast. We're Mac guys. We're Mac guys through and through. We love a little Mac and Mac football, Tuesday night football, all in. Been so angry at Mac. So angry at Mac. But uh, real question: number of schools in the Mac, all different, have their own ways about it. Whether how they play football wise, where they are, how they are academically, very nuanced schools. And the question is, 
Zach, yeah. if you had to pick a Mac school to uh, describe your personality, which one would you pick? Oh, definitely OU, obviously. As a 740 guy myself, got that ruggedness about it. Um, it's a school that just reeks of shame, and as do I. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> likes to party. I'm the party guy, right? That is, uh, yeah. The the grand the the grand the party grandpa the party grandpa um, yeah. usually with a beer in the hand I guess that is true that is hand. out that is out your way that is well, yeah twenty minutes from where I grew up um, yeah I bleed green and white through and through Josh what about you what kind of match are we dealing with uh, you're dealing with uh, bowling green you know all you those know, STDs just uh, no wow um, no I just uh, just another dot in the universe out there in the middle of nowhere. Um, pretty, pretty cold and, and just nothing really going on sometimes, but they have a good time with it still, you know, they like to party still. So, uh, this was like a sadder version of what I just said. Josh, yeah, basically, do we need to have basically. a conversation later? I'm, I'm Northeast Ohio. You're Southwest or I'm Northwest well, Ohio. You're Southeast you Ohio. There we Sorry. Go. That's the All Bowling right. Green education speaking. <laughs> so originally I was going to go with, uh, Green, just because I'm a giant disappointment as they've been in football. But boy, he's got I dark think, <laughs> I think I'm going to go with um, the closest school to Southwest Ohio. I'm going to go with Miami of Ohio, the top ranked school academically. And since I'm mm. the genius of this group, I'll take that. And then also the, the preppy school that uh, thinks they're better than everyone. And that's how I think about myself compared to you guys. So. Okay. You're yeah, an I, was, I was wondering where he was You're going. An asshole like <laughs> I was wondering where he was going with that. <laughs> You're an asshole. Yeah, that's perfect. You're not. Yeah, you're not wrong. I'm Nobody only, likes you. I'm the only important one on this show. That's uh, what I'm trying to say. That is true. Aren't Aren't you going to be gone that next week? Isn't it just Isn't it just? Oh, we want to. We want to yeah. intro this right uh, now. No, that's uh, we'll we'll, we'll keep teasing. Oh, it. We'll keep teasing. Oh, okay. It. Maybe we'll have like a guest on or something. Maybe oh. Maybe we'll find now. Here's a guy. Maybe we'll find Collinsworth and get him on. Chris. Wow. Now here's a guy. Hey. No, I'm irreplaceable. So please remember that. No, Greg will be back soon. And before, one off. before Josh and I start to get in a little fist fight, we're going to go back to a certain fight that we had earlier with Miles Garrett and backup Mason Rudolph. And our next question for the panel, starting with Zach. Zach, if you had to take a backup quarterback mm-hmm. in a brawl against a, a helmet, man. helmet swinging Goliath of a man in Miles Garrett, who are you taking? This was hard. Um, I had to think of all the different factors. I decided to go with AJ chess piece McCarron. And how I hope this would have went down is he would have ripped off his jersey and his pads and just shown that beautiful chess piece he has. You never get in a fight with a guy in an Ed Hardy t-shirt and a chess piece. And I imagine that's what AJ McCarron would be like. Um, I'd give him a fighter's chance. AJ McCarron? AJ McCarron. AJ McCarron's got a chess piece, man. AJ yeah. McCarron's got a got a collarbone that's built like a five year old. Yeah, that's snap what I'm that saying, man. Like he'd be like he'd you know, all those memes of like Miles Garrett like uh, at a whack a mole machine. Yeah, like AJ McCarron would be one of the moles that like hit it too hard going, and it snap off. From I was the machine. just going with the guy with the chess piece because look at did you look at the list of NFL back like Tim? I was yeah, like, there's not a lot Tim there. Boyle of. The Packers or anybody like that. Um, I would have said Fitz Magic if I could have picked That's, a starter. Yeah. He's kind of a backup. I was ask, Everybody on Miami. I was going to ask: Are we counting uh, Fitz Magic and are we counting Gardner Minshew? 
Yeah. Yes. Okay. We are counting I'm Gardner, Gardner, Gardner Minshew then, because he'll just pull be a gator out of his pocket Ooh. and game over. Then I would take Fitzpatrick with that big burly beard and the big chest hair. Zach I just feel like he would. Zach and I are over. taking the Southern boys here. Yeah, I would. Fitzpatrick is scary. I feel like you'd make Miles Garrett think twice yeah, for a second. Take Miles Garrett down to Florida, and we'll have Fitzpatrick and Minshew give him a nice Florida welcome. Um, I went kind of a different route. Okay. I figured Miles Garrett's a Goliath of a man. None of these clipboard holding. Oh no, I know it's failure hard. of QBs are are going to quite take him. I mean, damn. So you got to find a guy that can hide. And I looked <laughs> through all of these and. I know Sean Mannion from, you know, Oregon State. Brandon Allen, we've seen. Some of the other quarterbacks we've seen. Came down to the Cowboys. There is a Cooper Rush who is backing up for the Cowboys. And my only hope is that Miles Garrett doesn't know what the hell a Cooper Rush is <laughs> like I do. And, is that uh, a play call? <laughs> maybe just uh, swing it at someone else instead because he doesn't know whomst or what a Cooper rushes. That's fair. That's a good one. I mean, if you want to go that route, I was just hoping for some just bare knuckle, just someone who would stand in there. All right, I'm looking up what Cooper Rush looks like for the What's first he look time. Like? Um, he's ginger, so maybe just the whole being soulless thing. He looks like yeah. a combination of Andy Dalton and Carson Palmer, where you he just want to punch actually. him in the face. Yeah. That's weird. Nothing he I can do about it. That. No, not at all. I'd, I'd throw oh, that guy no, in there. he looks like a Jason Garrett love child. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that's a yeah, good one. That that's actually good one. way more. So I think Jason exactly Garrett would just like. jump in front of him. So he could get, you know, he could, Jason Garrett would take the brunt because he might be a love child and then he would just be able to get a couple shots in. A couple cheap shots? A couple cheap shots. Hey, look, if there's one thing that you've, that we've figured out is that if you're going against Miles Garrett, you got to get every cheap shot you can. Oh, I know. Per Mason. <laughs> He's a coward, apparently. Says the guy who got his ass beat with a helmet, <laughs> his own helmet. Yosh. Well, speaking of being in a fight with Miles Garrett, if any of us were in a fight with Miles Garrett, we would probably need a little liquid courage as we go back to our beer of the day, uh, Pool Party Pilsner by Land Grant, a it's wonderful so Columbus good. brewery. It's fantastic. I'd say this is the um, the best, most surprising one we've had, like one I haven't had before. I'm like, whoa. Yeah, that's yeah really most, good. most of the beers we've had on here, I have had before. Right. This one I have not had before, and it is so good. Yeah. I, I dare to say, even like of the ones that we have had on the show Probably that I have the had, best I think one this is so the best far. one so far. Yeah. 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 This is really good. So, guys, I mean, please, you know, 30 Rack Podcast, 30 Rack of Sports on Facebook. If there's any beer, the one stipulation got to be an Ohio beer. Yep. Yes, but if there is an be Ohio, an Ohio beer, beer that we can find. We'll be able to find it. anything. We will, we will go to the lengths of Ohio to make sure we can find these beers. And listen, I mean... Unless I, I you're guess, brewing it in your basement, we're not coming to your yeah, house. Yeah, and, and we don't want... like I realize there are Miller and, and Bush plants in Ohio. While mm. much respect, we are oh, independent... Ohio beers on the show, so please send us your. Yeah, requests. but I mean, if you're if you're if craft you have a, beer only. Yeah, if you have a favorite brewery in Toledo, Athens, Zanesville. Well, we got to get Jackie O's and wherever. Oh, I do love some Jackie yeah. O's, but whatever. Um, especially too, if there's a favorite beer that you have from there. Uh, you know, we have a lot of IPAs, but I'm up for every you know anything. I, I love a nice sour beer. Um, mm-hmm. I we'll drink stouts. We'll drink. 
whatever you throw at us because we're Ohio beer guys through and through. And Once again, thank you so much, uh, Thomas underscore Buckeye five for suggesting land grant. And, uh, I was able to find this Pilsner, which has been like we've said, a, a wonderful surprise. So oh, as we man. move into the second beer of our show, we are moving on to a little bit of national news. National news. Uh, and I just want – Zach and I were talking before the show. We might just want to give people like a little disclaimer here because there was so much big national news that happened this week. Uh, so we we might like – we might just like run with these two segments here. I think – yeah, I think we're – they're not going to be – not by the Ohio segments. I think we're just gonna kind of run through a conversation. Yeah, right. yeah we're gonna we're gonna kind of move through these a little bit quick as we get into the national news. So first off, we have baseball coming up in November. Well, that's I guess good for baseball, except <laughs> when it involves widespread cheating, especially by a World Series champion. Fall uh, ball. More like fall from grace ball. <laughs> oh, God. Oh Keep it moving, God. Greg. Keep it moving. We'll so, cut that out later. <laughs> in turn, cut that. Uh, so, the Houston Astros, um, due to... It first came out based on uh, some comments by former Astro Mike Fires that... Snitches get stitches. ...discussed um, the Astros... Uh, as far back as 2017, maybe before then, had been using um, cameras and and other ways of communicating uh, pitches to players. So basically stealing signs and then communicating it to players in the box. Um, There have been numerous videos that have been shared for, you know, banging on trash cans, whistling, all that other stuff. Banging chairs against the wall? Yeah, figure out, you know, off-speed pitches and stuff like that. And it gets really obvious. Uh, I know I saw... Now that we know these videos are hilarious because you can hear it clear as day. I know there was one with Danny Farquhar where it was, you know, slamming trash cans. (laughs) And after about four pitches, he would go, every time you put down the two for the change-up. So they ended up having to change up their signs with nobody on base because they could tell this is happening. This is a major you know major blip for major league baseball right now and it'll be interesting to see what kind of punishments can be handed down and will be handed down i know well right now you can only find teams two million dollars but i don't know if there'll be something happening with how they deal with the world series who gets suspended whether it's gm all the way down to certain players that might have been involved in it i mean this could be a gigantic issue, and it seems like we're just at the tip of the iceberg and, right and now. L- and look, if you're listening to this right now and haven't heard about this yet and and are one of those people, so many of these people out there have been like, oh, well, teams figure out signs all the time. It's part of baseball. This is not part of baseball. Banging on trash cans, throwing well, chairs yeah. into walls, having a monitor right behind the dugout. equipment. Right. I mean, yeah. we played high school baseball. You used to do yeah, that. You're, you're allowed. If you're on second yeah. base, you're allowed to do that. It's within the rules. But they were actually videotaping and piping that into somebody sitting by a monitor behind the dugout. And I know there's a, there's a guy who does a lot of videos, you know, uh, a lot of funny ejection videos. His name is John Boy on Twitter. And... Um, he was talking about it, and you know, sometimes you'll see, you know, guys on base will do stuff, and maybe sometimes they'll figure out signs. But this, like the banging on the trash cans, was so quick after the sign for a changeup got thrown down that there's no other way you can explain it. No, yeah, I mean, it's, um, I don't know, man. 
Um, it's disheartening. I saw, uh, I saw one tweet that was, I cannot remember the two characters uh, they were using in the tweet or who tweeted it, but it was like, hey, look, we've got a pretty good baseball team. We could make a run to the postseason this year. Well, let's 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 make sure we do a crime. <laughs> well, no, we've actually got a great pitching staff, a lot of great offensive weapons. Uh, might want to cheat and commit a crime. There's no reason. Are, that you, roster, are you sure we should we should be able to make a great postseason run? I'd really appreciate it if we did a crime first. Well, and, and the thing is now everything's in question because well, you yeah. know all these teams are looking back on when they played the Astros and they're finding evidence, you know, potential evidence for some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you also wonder. If you're going as far to steal signs, what other stuff has uh, gone on? And I think it's fair using to question. Pine tar? Yeah, because there was the spin rate controversy spin rate, that went that on. Bauer and came out. Yeah, I mean, this is all, it's bad. I mean, it, it's funny because the Indians got destroyed in the 17 ALDS. And it makes so much sense now. I mean, to an extent. I mean, the Astros were the better team. But, I mean, I remember Mike Clevenger after he got shelled. He came in in the press conference and made comments about how they were out analytic like that. And at the time, that was pretty shocking for people to hear, you know, an Indians player bash the front office. Well, <laughs> come to find out he was trying to be nice. And basically he was referring to the fact that they, the Indians players knew this was going on. And yeah, yeah. I mean, there were enough guys that had gone to other teams. Some people knew it. I know mm-hmm. um, Jeff Passon from ESPN said, you know, it was known in, in certain circles and, uh, you know, during the entire World Series, you know, uh, there were a couple times that there was one time that I remember, um, what was it, Game 5, Tyler Glass now. There was obviously, he was tipping his pitches based on where his glove level mm-hmm. was for fastball and changeup and whatnot. But every time, you know, um, these pitchers, Strasburg and, you know, Scherzer, for the Nationals were struggling in the first inning and then having to change stuff up because they were realizing these guys are on to me. So we're going to have to do something completely different to try to just figure it out. And you would notice a lot of times they would get hit pretty hard in the first inning mm-hmm. and then they would clean it up. And it was just so interesting that, you know, you you all these small things you don't really notice at the time, but then you get those and you're like, wow, that was probably it. That was probably it. And then you look back at the tape and you realize, yeah, this is all it. I mean, yeah, that you can tell looking back, you know, because they were, If I correct me if I'm wrong, from the reports I've seen, they were, what they were doing is they were tipping or letting the hitters know when it was an off-speed pitch, right? Yeah. So, I mean, you can tell sometimes where some of these pitches are. I mean, you can still hit them, but, I mean, you're just like, man, it looked like he knew that was coming. Like, they were ready for it, hands back, nothing like every guy. And it's just obvious. And I think it's sad when you throw into the fact the situation – they had with the female reporters and then you know like greg mentioned there's been some rumors about the pine tar and the spin rate and a lot of questions coming out this is just completely tarnished well yeah this whole run. It, it, it sucks because because you have a lot of great ball players on, yeah on i mean el tuve yeah verlander you know colt you've got a lot of really good players and i think you could have made a run regardless but at this point it questions it questions every one of them mm-hmm. and then also it hurts your organization from the gm you don't know if he's a cheater you know you don't know how good the manager is or if he's just a cheater and you you question every single st- it's like when the steroid stuff came out you question stats from every right. ball player that was possibly a steroid guy now you will question stats especially hitting wise from mm-hmm. bregman altuve springer all those guys because 
you know, if you can tell an off-speed pitch is coming, especially sometimes, you know, when guys have, you know, curveballs and whatnot, you can tell they kind of rev up because they realize if this pitch is close, I'm going to be able to hit it and hit it hard. And right. that's what they do a lot. And, you know, it's it's bad for them. It's bad for, you know, the game. everyone around them. But, it's, yeah, it's terrible for the game because it's just like, you know, baseball has already been kind of declining and now you – you worry about, you know, cheaters and everything else. And now it's going to become a, you know, you're going to watch baseball a different way because you're going to be wondering if someone's cheating and every, you know, noise that you hear, you're going to be like, oh, is that an off-speed pitch sign? And it's it's just <laughs> going to change baseball for the worse, well, like so many things have in recent. Well, and that's why baseball has to come down on this. And they, and what's 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 getting bad about this is the amount of evidence that is piling up mm-hmm. here. I mean, the, the email that came out, this weekend um, was, I think, one of the worst pieces of evidence. And I'll read an expert from it here. This uh, was provided by The Athletic. The email says, quote, and this is, we don't know the sender here. There was an email wrote in 2017, quote, one thing in specific we are looking for is picking up signs coming out of the dugout. What we are looking for is how much we can see, how we would log things, if we, if we need cameras slash binoculars, et cetera, so go to game, see what you can or can't do, and report back your findings. Um, then later it's been said that uh, a person directly involved with the conversation said, quote, nobody wanted to do that and take a chance of getting caught and ruining their reputation, not only as a scout, but even further damage to what the Astros had going. And that's the thing is like you had so many right. talented ball players pitching and hitting wise. You didn't wise. need to do it. You didn't need this. And you know it's and it's it, top down. You can't have I you've seen the video that people pointed out if you haven't look it up it's from the 17 World Series documentary. The players are walking from the dugout to the clubhouse in the little hallway between there's a guy with a table right behind the dugout with a big monitor. Teams don't have people there. It's a hallway. Like and you can't Lunlow and all them cannot say they didn't know. They had towels draped over the monitor. Right. They had towels yeah, they draped knew. over the monitor like it was some little hideout for them. This is top down. Like, People and, knew. And this is what this is what's so disappointing is that we are we're a young podcast. This is our fifth episode. Mm-hmm. And in five episodes now, <laughs> we've talked we, about the we've, we've discussed at times the, you know, how we could make MLB better and appealing to the millennial mm-hmm. uh, you know consumers now but twice we have done like segments on this show now about the houston astros organization from a top-down standpoint and how bad it is yeah twice in five episodes like how are we like for at an a ohio point, sports show yeah for an ohio sports <laughs> show you're doing things so poorly and so so significantly poorly and historically bad historically bad things that we are talking about it and we are begging mlb to come down on it because you can't have this in baseball if you're trying to grow baseball and especially when you had so many of the young stars in baseball on this team that are now involved with it like you've got a terrible situation on your hands and you cannot you cannot strike out on this we 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 were talking about you know miles garrett ruining his career this is something that could affect the careers of everybody else because it ruins the integrity of the game and it ruins the integrity of everybody else and it'll affect the players for the rest of their career pitchers job like they pointed out there are probably some guys who that was 
came out of the bullpen or something. That's probably their one shot. Yeah, they one or a couple shots. And then lost their job. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, Greg, I think you said it perfectly. I mean, how like now when you watch these guys, just like back in the steroids era, you're going to wonder are these guys being tipped pitches like right. is that is that why they're such great hitters you know like and that's that's what you were saying zach mm. is that like some of these videos are so bad like you can oh hear, you can you, you can, can hear it clear it as day it's just so bad i really hope mlb like there i understand there are you know limits to this thing but this is unprecedented like oh yeah i mean in modern baseball at least yes i, I put it up well i'll touch on that uh that was going to be part of my zinger. But. All right. Well, then maybe to uh, switch gears a little bit from from one controversy in a sport to another controversy in a sport, um, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that uh, Colin Kaepernick had his workout on Saturday. Now, um, we're just trying to state the facts more or less on this. Uh, there was a workout that the MLB put together – or not NFL. the MLB, the NFL put together <laughs> – and it was kind of out of the blue after a comment by uh, some of Kaepernick's team saying that he was ready to go. So possibly something that had to do with, you know, uh, once again, one of the earlier uh, lawsuits about, you know, basically getting blackballed. So they gave him this workout, um, basically told him when it was and where it was, uh, you know, and uh, gave him the chance. So he had a workout in Atlanta. Well, the NFL told him late that uh, he would not be able to have media members there. So uh, a couple hours beforehand, uh, his team changed the workout location from uh, the Falcons facility to a high school about 40 minutes outside of Atlanta, um, allowed media to be there. I know there was a youtube or, or some sort of sh- there were a couple different streams of, of media members at the workout so uh he did that uh there was uh, i believe the final count where there were seven teams at the workout so it was detroit kansas city uh the new york jets philadelphia san francisco tennessee and washington so this was his workout um i know just from a football standpoint um a lot of a, a couple of the scouts were saying, you know, he had a really nice deep ball. I watched about five minutes of it, and uh, some of the deep balls that I saw him throw were, were very, very much on target. So it certainly still has, uh, you know, an elite arm, which is what he had, you know, before a lot of this controversy. So uh, I guess the only thing is, you know, seven teams showed up in his original one, in his original planned workout. There were going to be, you know, twenty plus teams. I know there was some change at the last second. Um, there's a lot of back and forth of whether the NFL was kind of setting him up to fail uh, to avoid, you know, some some lawsuits and whatnot that that could be coming his way. But I guess just from a football standpoint, do we think we see Kaepernick in the NFL ever again? No, no, I think he screwed. Up. And I heard a lot about it with the wave, the one clause, and the the pretty boilerplate late waiver that they typically have. I think he should play. I think, like you point out, Greg, I think obviously he still has a talent. He's better. He's one of the top 64 quarterbacks at least. Um, he's been blackballed. Everybody knows it. It's a shame. He did nothing wrong. Anybody who says he's done anything wrong is full of crap. I'm on his side, but <clears throat> I don't know. I think 
he made a bad decision. And I think, because if you really, and I'm not saying he doesn't want to play, but I'm saying if you really wanted to play that, like, you know, you fight tooth and nail, I think you would have you would have went through with it, with 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 the way the NFL had it set up. That's yeah. just my opinion. I'm all for him. I, I really hope I'm wrong. I hope he gets a job because he deserves it either way. But I mean, let's look at it from this standpoint. If if he was going for some, you know, office job or something like that, you know, he mm-hmm. he's not he's not going to beg and be, you know, would you beg and beg and beg? You know, I really want to work for this company. You know, right. please give me an interview. Please, you beg and beg and beg. And finally, they give you the interview. Mm-hmm. And they're like, let's interview, you know, a week from now. The NFL was, you know, four days from now. Mm-hmm. Say what you will about that. Um, the day comes to where you have your job interview. And you're like, you know what? I know you wanted to meet at your office, but um, let's let, let's meet at my office. 30 minutes before you're supposed to have the interview. Mm-hmm. They'd probably be pretty pissed about that. Yeah. Um, then to top it off, you show up in this Kunta Kinte shirt which say what you will about that, but you know, is that really, or do you want to play football or right. do you want to send the messages? And the messages are fine and I support that and I think it's great and yeah, everything. Yeah. But don't go and complain about like, oh, the NFL won't give me a job mm-hmm. when they gave you this opportunity and you made this big fuss at every turn about it and you made this big hoopla over every turn about it. Like, do you want an NFL sign? T- NFL yeah. team to sign you or not? That's my point. I was a so, defender all yeah, the way, I, and I support all. The, I support all the messages and every. I don't want to. I don't want to come off speaking, like I don't support I think the messages. We're just speaking to the fact of just you want to play. Yes. So, Do you want to play or not? My my only thought on this is there have been some things about the message that some of you may or may not agree with. There have been probably some missteps along the way by Kaepernick that most people would agree that he's had. But at the end of the day, from what I've heard based on this, um, based on this whole ordeal, is that for him to get the workout, teams were asking about his availability, and normally teams would be allowed to bring him in. Yeah. But for whatever reason, the NFL felt like they decide they needed to have a pro day. But the other thing is, if they were going to have a pro day for a guy, why have it week? 11 of the season on a Saturday when teams are already traveling and they're preparing for a game. Normally there, there are people that come in on every position. They come in on Tuesdays normally because right. that's right after the beginning of the week. Right. And then also as far as a quarterback, you have to learn a system. Right. So if they wanted, if they wanted it in the best interest of Colin to play in the league, it probably would have been something over the summer that was on, you know, during the middle of the week, or, or really, I guess if it was mm-hmm. over the summer, it wouldn't really matter what day of the week it was. And it would be something that would be advantageous to both parties. But from what I've heard from from a lot of people, and, and Pro Football Talk um, has, has talked about this a lot, but it seems like a lot of it was them trying to cover because he did win a suit for, or he did settle a suit for... Mm-hmm. Um, them potentially blackballing him right but there could have been a second suit that was put out because him trying to come back and then nobody wanting him again and it seemed like based on all the indications and some of the things that were coming on was that the nfl just wanted to show that they gave him a chance right. and maybe this maybe to see if he could jump through some hoops and he didn't but 
that having something on a Saturday, you're 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 not putting him in the best position and. This I whole just think thing there were mistakes is weird. This sides. whole thing is weird. The yeah. way the NFL has handled this has been weird. But to play in any league or for any job, you jump through hoops. Yeah, well, you do. And, and 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 while I agree with all that, like I know Zach, you and I were saying before the show, we were saying how you know set all set all the opinions on this aside. One thing we can all agree on is that for both parties, this was mm-hmm. super weird. Oh, it was like none weird. of it made any it sense at all. It came out of nowhere. Yeah. And obviously it was for a futures contract, I feel like. That's where he was setting up. No one was going to sign him for this year. It was the futures well, deal. And, and we Bengals have just two men working the scouts. We They don't have time <laughs> to, to, to go down to Atlanta on a Saturday in the middle of the season. It's weird. And that's I agree too many with, teams. Like it just seems I agree so with weird. Greg on all of his points. It was That's my point. It was weird, but at the end of the day – Whatever you think, and I'm all behind him 100%. I think he deserves to be looked at as someone who stood up for rights, and I think he was on the right side of history on everything. I'm just saying at the end of the day, though, when you look at you know the XFL, AFL, some of these other leagues who have brought up interest and you insisted on a $20 million deal that you knew they were never going to give you, and then the NFL as kind of mm, not in the best way possible, they gave you an opportunity if you really want to play that but i just feel like he would have just went through it whether you agree with it or not yeah just to show that yeah i'm serious i think some teams right or wrong are gonna take that as well he must not be that serious about playing. i'm just saying i'm not saying that's right that's just how yeah. they're gonna take and you it. look at that from the nfl from from several you know josh rosen fell down the board because his he, mm-hmm. he had too much money in his family right. and he had other interests. That's just so the way the league looks at it. Well, the it's league like, is going to look at it from a from a certain perspective, right or wrong. He's gonna look mm-hmm. at it from a certain perspective, right or wrong. His his team deemed it to be one way, the NFL deemed it to mm-hmm. be one way. And at the end of the day, I haven't heard anything about him getting called into a camp on Tuesday. So no, right sad. now it's looking like this is probably the last chapter for it. I mean, yeah. think think of it this way. If you were a hiring manager or a CEO or what have you, and you there was some, you know, rally for mm-hmm. whatever in your town that day, and you decided, you know, you and the family are gonna go out to the mm-hmm. rally and everything, and you come across this guy and you guys get to talk and you find out he has similar interests, he's looking for mm-hmm. a job, you offer him a job interview and everything for your company that he comes on he comes in that day to interview for the job and he still got his picket signs and the same stuff he was wearing at the rally yeah for the job interview yeah but i think at the end of the day the nfl is different than a normal job and yeah. we can try True. to compare it one way or another well, and but I, there I, are certain things that that other people have gotten away with and, oh, and yeah. certain things that you know and the I nfl not, is more of a public i'm not in any way area saying the NFL is right at all. I don't I totally understand why Colin Kaepernick is skeptical and was like, <laughs> no, I'm gonna do my own thing. I totally back him up. I'm just taking a practicality look of it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's all I'm trying to do. I'm is all look at this on Kaepernick. Yes, I have exactly. been I've been a staunch fighter. There's you know, he was not anti whatever, we don't need to get into that. But I'd love I'd love to see him play again. Yeah, I really, I would. really would I because he, he is a good oppor- quarterback. I hope he does get an opportunity because he has been blackballed and he has been screwed. Yes. At about a certain at a certain point, there becomes a time and place for things. Yeah. And if you really want the job, and yes, I'm just stating practically here. Mm-hmm. And and I love I love the message he tries to send, and I and I totally support him and his message mm-hmm. and everything. But at a certain point, like you have to choose 
you know, right. what you're going to do, when you're going to do it, you know. Sometimes you, you just got to eat eggs, man. And mean, yeah, and it's not like there's the NFL. You know, you have the XFL coming up next year. You they the offered CFL. him, and he did was not interested unless he got $20 million, which is fine. That's what market value is for a quarterback. You know, that is. Oh, God, and that's the thing. But like, oh, gosh, those leagues are not going to give you $20 million. You know that. It's like what Johnny Manziel kind of pulled the same stuff. They're not yeah. going to give you, and then he finally went crawling. But you know what I mean. Like, I think Johnny Manziel's a little, little no, bit. No, I'm not trying position. to compare cap. I want to, I want to state that I'm not comparing <laughs> the splitting two. Splitting hairs here. Splitting hairs, but maybe before we, before we get into any more heavy talk. Speaking of a guy who was able to get back into his league before both Cap and Johnny Manziel, a man who gets buckets is back in the NBA, and I am so happy. <laughs> Mello is. Back. Carmelo Anthony signs a contract, non-guaranteed, but he's back with the Portland Trailblazers. Not playing tonight, Monday night, maybe making his debut on Tuesday nights. Guys, the only way I can describe my excitement is I can tell you with firm word right now that there are no Carmelo jerseys available in NBA shop because I have checked several times <laughs> in the last few days. So obviously the Blazers have been struggling to be, I mean, the understatement of the century this year. But it seems right now like they need a spark and Melo needs a team that believes in him. Yeah, um, happy for Melo. Um, I think he got a bad rap as somebody who, you know, won't take that role player position. Um, whether that was true in OKC and all there, we'll, you know, we'll find out. Um, I think he, I, you know, I think he's a good piece. That they've been struggling, surprisingly, really. In what are they, twenty eighth on the NBA in offensive efficiency? Right yeah, now? I know they're they're uh, um, five and eight on the year. Yeah, I mean, for a team I that mean, you know was good last year, and um, I think you know, I, I like the signing. I think um, you know if he buys in, and I think coming off the bench, if he he can make he can last another several years if he's willing to buy in, be an offensive option off the bench, and. Give a little bit of something on defense. But if you're only playing 25 minutes a night, maybe he'll give more on that end. I don't know. That's my thought. But that's, that's my, that, that was my thought exactly, actually. If he's willing to be a guy off the bench and play the role, mm-hmm. then, then yeah, he could. He, he can he still can make put a the comeback. ball in the I hole. I think he man. can make a great comeback. Yeah, actually, yeah, off yeah. The bench. Honestly, just taking a look at, at the roster, which I, I've done in the last couple of days, you look at some of their. You know, off the bench front court pieces because Melo kind of uh, projects as a power forward at this point. You're mm-hmm. getting your, you know, would you rather have Melo or Mario Hizonia, <laughs> Scal Labissier, or you know, Nasir Little, who is who is are a those rookie? People, but <laughs> yes, they are people, and those of us that watch and maybe put a couple of shekels down on the NBA, like myself know that, you know, at this point, if you have a guy that can go and get buckets off the bench, I mean, you can see it with Clippers, with Lou Williams or something, mm-hmm. it can really help a team, you know, being able to make a 12-2 to run because someone's hitting some buckets and Melo can still do that with some guys on the bench. It's a huge help to the team. And I guess right now, you know, nothing's guaranteed. They could cut him after, I think, like, you know, 10 or 15 days. But mm-hmm. I know I certainly, with – all the bias in the world as being a giant mellow stan. Hope Mello stays like around. Who doesn't like mellow? I don't know anybody who hates mellow. And I, I'm, ex- I'm, I agree with you. I, I'm excited. I think he he knows his role. Maybe he 
maybe in OKC he was a little delirious to why he was there. Yeah. But I think he knows now. And I think the Rockets. I think he's buying in. Or in the Rock. Yeah, that's Yeah, too. that was kind of a weird situation. I would sure hope at this point that he would know where he is in his career. <laughs> well, yeah. And I think, I think so. at this point, he's been knocked down a couple pegs mm-hmm. being out of the league for, you know, about a year. So at this right. point, you know, um, the the one other non-guaranteed contract that a lot of people are kind of pointing back to is Dwight Howard got it with the Lakers. Mm-hmm. And he's been a guy that's just kind of taken a step back and been like, look, if he's I'm going to want to stay in this league, I'm just going to have to accept my role and, and play hard. He's and played he's done that so yeah. well. And he's been he's been great for the Lakers right. this year. He's been a fun so that. Yeah. if you can get Melo with that mindset, Melo is a, will be a tremendous pick. Mm-hmm. It will be a steal for the Blazers. Oh, and definitely. that's something that I... That I really hope to see. And you heard a lot of those guys like LeBron and Chris Paul, you know, know him well, have said that's all a bad rap about him not wanting to buy in. Um, so I think we're all hopeful. We're all hopeful. We'll, well see where it goes. Zach true. is uh, very hopeful about Mello like I am. But the one thing that Zach's a little bit more hopeful about is his beloved Buckeyes as we move into our first segment where we do a little college football rank them. A lot of uh, – some turnover in the league or in the uh, college football ranks this week. Minnesota falling, Baylor blowing a twenty-eight to three lead. Never seen that before. Uh, you know, some teams going up and down. Tua, um, you know, with the hip injuries out for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of movement in the college football ranks. And as we like to do here, trying to be Nostradamus, trying to be the college playoff committee. A day early. I mean, Zach, when the rankings come out on Tuesday, who are we looking to see up there? Well, who am I predicting or am I saying who my top are? Well, who are your top? Because you're you're basically the playoff committee, aren't you? Oh, I am. Yeah, I should be. Um, personally to me, I'm putting Ohio State number one. Key reason, simple reason. I'll keep it short. They can put 40 up on anybody. And I'm sorry, nobody's putting 40 up on them. Uh, number two, LSU. Obviously, they got the Heisman Trophy winner. I think that's already pretty much done. Um, and then best resume, Clemson, coming around now. Okay, I'll put yeah, them they're three. To play yeah, better. yeah, they are. I'll put them three. At four, <clears throat> I'm gonna go Georgia four. Yeah, I think Georgia's four right now. Um, first two out. Oof. I'll put Bama. I still it's Nick Saban. I still put Bama. I'll put Bama and Oregon. Yeah, I, I pretty much had the same as you. You know, really, if Ohio State's one or two, it's not it's not really going to matter. It Th- those two, no. LSU and Ohio State, I think are, are, are far and away the best mm-hmm. two teams. Clemson is three, and then I have Georgia, but I have Oregon as the top team. And um, you know, looking at it, if well, I think if Oregon wins. Out, you know, I think if Oregon wins the conference championship and, and Georgia falters again, I think they could certainly leapfrog them. But uh, I think it's one of those things that gets messy if, you know, maybe Georgia wins the SEC championship and, and LSU loses their only game in there. Going over to Josh, Josh, are, are you kind of in agreement? Do you have do you have some random um, person oh, up there? Are you big Penn State guy or something? Oh, gosh, no. Oh, gross. Oh, ugh. I feel like I need to shower after you said that. Got Cincinnati oh. maybe creeping up in uh, the top four. Ah, uh, no. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. No um, so I do, I do agree with Zach on his first two. Uh, I've got uh, Ohio State at number one. 
for the same reason Zach does. I just don't see how. And you they've could, been impressive in every game. Yes, so far they've they've year. been they've been so dominant in every game, and I just do not see a weakness on Ohio State right yeah, now. Yeah, and that's my thing. I think maybe LSU just has some better wins, but I. I, I would have no problem. If if Ohio State's won, I, I don't think it really matters. I think whatever. I think at the end of the day, it's probably going to be style points in the SEC championships. Yes. So. Yes. And I and, and really, yeah, I have LSU at number two. And LSU, I think, does have the better win resume yeah. um, going for them. But just the dominance of the wins that OS. Yeah. Ohio and State I think, you know, LSU is certainly – their defense has been suspect. You know, they've given up some points to, to you know, Texas – I mean, they gave up, you know, they scored like 60 against um, Ole Miss, but they let them, you know, put up 30-something. So, you know, that that could be one of the issues, you know, going forward that when, you, when you're one of those big offensive teams, you know, and you can't play defense or you struggle on defense, that, that can get you in a hole in some games. Right. But uh, number three, I have Clemson. Um, number four is where I falter, and I'm sure I'm going to take a lot of heat on this. Whoa. Uh, I've got the Ducks at number four. Quack, quack. Um, Oregon Ducks coming in number four. I'm uh, starting to be a Justin Herbert believer. Um, the guy uh, passed uh, 20 for 28 uh, in this recent game against Arizona. I realize it's Arizona, but 20 for 28, 333 yards, four touchdowns, and one interception. Scrambling, not as good. He did lose 16 yards on rushing. Yeah, uh, but that's also, I mean, that includes, you know. Yes. Um, but honestly, if you look at Justin Herbert this year, and, and in a vacuum, and I, I understand, you know, um, conference matters, but touchdown, interception, 28 to 3. Uh, you know, his yards per attempt are 8.4. He's been very good for the Ducks. And I think the Ducks are in a great position that I think if they win out and, you know, win convincingly, they'll get probably a chance to play Utah, who's another top 10 team in the Pac-12 championship. So I think they certainly have a chance to get some style points and get in. I, You know, I don't think... Oregon is is a bad number four at all. I think they're. I mean, they're in both Zach and I's top six. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they just they have they have a lot of weapons on offense, and that's the thing they uh, they do have to beat Utah. They do have to win out and beat Utah for them to be number four. Um, you've got uh, Johnson the third uh, and uh, Jacob Breland. Uh, the tight end. Those guys are leading the team in receptions right now. But then you've just got so many other weapons on offense right now for the Oregon Ducks. I think they could tighten up the defense a little bit. Um, and am I saying they're going to hang with Ohio State or LSU? Ugh. Probably not, um, especially Ohio State with the Oregon's defense. But I don't think so. They're a good yeah. team. And, I mean, if you look at some of those teams that have, you know, struggled with Auburn, you know, it took a late comeback and you know, in first week of the season where sometimes things are kind of fluky. Right. For them to lose to Auburn. So but the talent's there. They can compete with SEC. I don't think and they're, they're physical enough. No, but I mean, they're, they, they're offensively very explosive yeah. and have a lot of weapons. And they're, they're averaging 37 points. No, no. I, the Pac 12 back from the dead. They're yeah. Who would have thought of that? About Oregon's averaging four 38 weeks ago. I'm all in. Yeah. 38 points a game. Totally. For so totally they, I think they could hang with. an issue. But speaking of. The Pac-12 being back from the dead. First two um, out are Georgia and Alabama. Georgia and Alabama, yeah. So I think we all have the same top, top six. six. It's just, just different kinda order a little bit. How we're doing there. And going from the top six teams to maybe not the bottom six, but certainly some teams lower. Um, 
it's about the time to start talking about about some hot seats in college football. You know, most teams have you know only mm-hmm. a couple games left, so looking at some potential job openings and and who might be fits. I know Zach you had a couple teams in mind so far. Mm-hmm. The only two firings were um, uh, Chris Ash at Rutgers, uh, all time. <laughs> interim head coach name nunzio campanelli oh the best taking over the team ever we uh, talked about that all game uh yeah big time great, and then um, name. i think he was in sanitation before he took the records and then long island sanitation and then arkansas has already let go of their coach so uh one sc sort of sec team and one sort of big 10 team yeah. have, have let go of their coach those are both bad jobs no one wants but those. uh you know they're I think you've mentioned, Zach, there could be a few good jobs mm-hmm. that are open at the end of the year. I I mean, there's a potential. Here would be my top three. Uh, I kind of scoured today, just kind of looking at potential. You know, my top three job openings. We can kind of debate these. I would say SC, um, Arizona, and Michigan State are probably looking like your top three jobs out there. And just taking a look, you know, SC has um, the new uh, – Athletic director and Mike Bone and Clay Helton has been on the hot seat for seemingly like 30 years at this yeah. point. Um, Michigan State, Mark D'Antoni. Obviously, there's been tons of turmoil at Michigan State in past years, but you know, Michi- now there's been a few more when it comes to recruiting, concussions, uh, it's just reporting things yeah. off the field, and they've really struggled and, and are looking to struggle in the future as far as recruiting. Mm-hmm. So it could be time. And then, I mean, Kevin Sumlin at Arizona has seemed to be a guy that, you know, can somehow get all the weapons in the world, whether it's Manziel or Khalil Tate, and just not be able to do anything with it. And, you know, I mean, Arizona's just one of those teams that seems to be constantly a disappointment. I think, to me, the more I keep thinking about it, honestly, if I was a coach, you know, sought-after guy, maybe like a Mike Norvell from Memphis, the job I'm taking out connections, obviously, but the job I'm looking at I think is a really underrated job is that Arizona job. Yeah, they was- have new facilities. Rich, when Rich Rod came in, they upgraded all their facilities. You know, he's gone, but they upgraded all their facilities. So they have top-notch facilities, or at least you know, are up there recruiting hotbed. Arizona is just blown up. Arizona and California, and yeah, you're right by SoCal. I think there's a lot of pieces there because SC, great job, but you got a lot of pressure, and the facilities are not there. You hear that all the time. The facilities are not where they should be as far as when you're looking at like Ohio State's. I mean, Ohio State goes in there and plucks people out of there all the time. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you're, you're expected to compete for championships every year. They, 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 yeah. they won't really give you the benefit of the doubt of rebuilding. I mean, you have an off-campus stadium, which I, I do think affects recruiting. I don't li- I don't think it's good for recruiting. Um, you know, and it kind of kills the atmosphere. It's a big stadium that Huge. they just don't seem to fill unless, you know, they got the Matt Leinert's um, but it's still obviously. I thought a the most job. shocking thing that you had was having Arizona ahead of Michigan State because Michigan State's been a team that's been in the college football playoff in the last few years. I understand yeah. recruiting's down. They they've obviously been no. A lot it's of turnover, a good job. I put but, that as my I'd put that as my third best job. And maybe some people you can make an argument might be above um, USC. But yeah, you're right. They have the facilities. Uh, Mark D'Antonio has shown you can win there. Yeah. My thing is though. I think as much as we want to bash Harbaugh, I think Michigan has kind of moved back up yeah. as the big brother, as uh, Mike Cart would say. <laughs> and um, it's a basketball school. Here's my point. Those, I mean, I know Arizona traditionally is a basketball school too, but I don't know it's as deeply embedded. I think if you're a coach, you want to be the primetime sport there. 
for the most part. And I don't, I don't. And I think the other issue that you have is, you know, looking at Michigan state in a lot of ways, Penn state's on the up and up, mm-hmm. you know, Michigan's, I think they've plateaued. Uh, they've but, yeah. plateaued, but they've been better at the end of the year and they've yeah. been really good recruiting. And when you're fighting right. with, I mean, look, being a UC fan, I will tell you, feeding off the scraps of Ohio State can still oh, lead yeah. you a very good team because Ohio State does well everywhere. They'll pluck the top recruit out of Michigan or Oh, yeah, they control that. Yeah. Penn State will pluck top recruits out of Michigan. Michigan will obviously get top recruits out of mm-hmm. Michigan and Ohio. And it seems like... Michigan State, honestly, even with D'Antonio, and I understand, you know, being a former Cincinnati coach has some connections in Cincinnati, but well, he was a high state to, coach too. Well, yeah, high state coach too, but he seemed to have kind of get some secondary recruits out of you know Ohio mm. and and Michigan and whatnot. So yeah. it certainly could be a difficult job. Josh, thoughts? Uh, what do you if? Imagine you're you're Mike Norvell or, or the up and coming head coach PJ I mean, Fleck, maybe. PJ Fleck. I know he I mean, signed the Luke contract, Fickle, but any of those guys, yeah. what, what job would you want to take? Um, quite honestly, the Michigan State job. Um, mm-hmm. Because, and I know, yeah, that's maybe an underrated one and maybe one that a lot of people are going to steer away from because of well, there's some the things. recent history yeah. there. Um, but looking at a, from a pure football standpoint here, mm-hmm. um, you have a chance to come in and rebuild. It doesn't need a whole lot of rebuilding. No. It's not like you need to tear the whole thing down and yeah. start from scratch. Right. Um, tear those jerseys down but oh, oh yeah get, please get yeah, rid of those that, i just saw the basketballs doing that now too Ugh. please stop using that if lime no one's green seen it it's got the it's got their normal dark green with some lime green lettering and it it's is ugly. it looks forest like, green with lime green. it looks it's like hideous. puke on <laughs> it looks like puking on nature basically well um but from a football standpoint, I think that is the most attractive job to me because mm-hmm. you have a chance to build a program that can take on uh, the Minnesotas and the Michigans and eventually or the Iowas and move yeah. up to try and beat Michigan or Ohio but State. But here's my point, though. And make the Big Ten interesting. Do you, true. Do you want to go somewhere where you know Ohio State? I mean, Ohio they. That's their conference. I don't see that coming down anytime soon. I mean, I think the Pac-12 is wide open. Well, I would, Oregon's yes. coming back up, but I think you ha- you can make some movement there. But I think it's. I would also say the one thing that's nice about a Michigan State is even with as mediocre as they've been, a lot of their kickoffs are noon and three thirty. And mm. honestly, a lot of the press is on the East Coast. That's a good point. When you're yeah. on the West Coast, I mean, I didn't think about. That. I watch a whole yeah. lot of college football, and I have not seen a lot of Arizona. That's true. Or Oregon this year, just because they play, you know, ten thirty. Right, know, I didn't think Friday about night that. That's a good point. All that one a.m. here. I mean, but, that's a very good point. I mean, yeah, you could. So you could make the argument it's a, it's a top job. And I think it depends on what the coach wants. Where's the coach mm-hmm. at his point? At yeah. the point in his career, and is he where trying? Can it, he recruit? Yeah, where, right. is he going to be able to cr- recruit here? Does he want to rebuild a program and make something his own? See, I or think like, is he mm-hmm. just trying to, you know, take take something that's already built, you know, kind of continue mm-hmm. it on like an Arizona situation where you kind of take the new facilities and all of yeah. that and use that? Or do you want to completely, you know, rebuild and make an impact mm-hmm. and have a maybe a diff- more difficult time with a bigger challenge? I don't know. We'll see. You know who that's a you know Michigan State that's a prime job for? 
Luke Fickle. That 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 screams Luke Fickle all over that. No, it, it does. Midwestern yes, it roots. Does. He knows Ohio. He can recruit Ohio and Pennsylvania, which are your two football recruiting states. In it the does. Midwest. It does scream Luke Fickle. But you know I don't think Luke Michigan pipeline in there. And that's a great anywhere. way to transition us into our last last segment of the day. As if Luke Fickle would leave, I'm sure all of us would be very mm-hmm. pissed. We would be grumbling, jeering. And zinging him as we get into our last segment. Uh, as you know, here in Ohio, we are hardened, angry, disgusted sports fans a lot of the time. So to yeah. get towards the end of the show, Zach's going to zing someone. Zach, who are you zinging? Uh, I'm going to jump back into, you know, MLB. I feel like I've zinged like, the MLB on like half our shows. Uh, I-, I love the MLB. We already touched on... You know, this Asher scandal. One, I think, and hot take right here. I'm, I'm, I think this is the biggest scandal besides taking out the steroid era scandal, which I don't think we will ever really know. So I yeah. don't count that. I think this is the biggest scandal since the Black Sox scandal. Yeah. I do. I think, and, and the reason it's maybe not as big of news is because baseball is so regional now. It doesn't get airtime, but this is a big deal. And Major League yeah, Baseball. Yeah, this is changing who's winning. This is changing. This is changing baseball history. Right. This is a big deal, and I I'm still upset. I with the way that baseball basically made no answer to the female reporter situation that we already covered. <sighs> Rob Manfred needs to do something. This is his job, <laughs> right? I mean, I don't know. He's just chilling in New York City making bank, but I think. I hope not, but and I think we talked about that. It's really difficult to say what these penalties are. I think they need to be serious. I think there's they're doing an investigation. I think it's going to be proven that this was a top down. I think Lenho and all those guys are gone. And I, I mean, I think you have to consider a complete ban forever of those people that are playing in Major League Baseball again. I'm just yeah. saying, you got Pete Rose for gambling on his own team. Well, I don't know. This is there's this isn't a one time mistake. This isn't someone gave him a supplement. This is a conscious effort of them to subvert the rules based on the information we know, and I think it's going to get a lot worse, and I'm begging Rob Manfred, do the right thing here. And I think anybody that you can prove, especially in management at top down, yeah, obviously they get the $2 million. I think they get a $2 million fine. I think they lose picks. I think they lose Rule 5 drafts. I think they lose um, their ability to sign you know, international free agents like the – was that the Red Sox? Who was it? The international pool money, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but they lose that for at least a year. Yeah, I think Lundho's gone. I think everybody, you know, basically. Hinch might be gone for a Hinch while. Hinch might be suspended at least Some for of the a players, while. If they can put if, him in there. Right. How much did the players know and who was orchestrating? But yeah, I think they. Rob, if you're listening, and I'm sure you are in New York, <laughs> please do something because this is a bad look and you just look tone deaf on everything you need to make a state and this and everybody knows there's other teams doing similar things but my point is you want that stuff to stop or be very rare you make a hard statement right you ban people for life and as as technology gets better it's just going to become easier. Right. So if you don't put the if you don't put the hammer down you now, you need then, to get ahead yeah. of it. If you he, don't do anything now, you're encouraging. Right, and I think you know people knock the NFL and some of these other leagues for heavy handedness. Well, you know, baseball always gets knocked for not being heavy handed enough. And you need to do something. They need to be swift. This needs to be taken care of because everybody needs to know the teams. The other teams need to know. I mean, how upsetting is this for a team maybe like the Indians or some of these teams? Are like, well, you know what I mean? They just cheated. A, I mean, yeah, I mean. 
champions or championships or something big that affects your city, you know, financially and everything else, then you're you're taking championships and, and money out of people's pockets because of it. So if I was mm-hmm. another owner, you know, I would be livid. Yeah, that's that's it. I mean, let's go. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Yeah, Josh is sneezing every throwing me off. Let's see what happens, but come on, Rob. Do your job. Hey Josh. Um I know you might be new to this show, but uh, it's not Josh's sneezes, it's Josh's jeers. <laughs> so do you sorry. have any of those as well? I'm allergic to your cat. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I do have jeers. <laughs> I do have jeers, and uh, my jeers are actually all of the uh, heinous bad beats of the week because uh, we had we had some bad beats of the week, and uh, they were terrible. Just awful to watch witness as Greg pulls out his his slip from uh, the old gambling room. Uh, is that your Browns weekend or is that your college no, this football is, parlay? This is, well, no, this is this weekend. Uh, let's just say Hornets Knicks. Just go for the two-pointer. Don't shoot the three. If it goes to <laughs> overtime, it goes over 212 and a half. Uh, my first one I'm going to start with is uh, on Monday when uh, the Bearcats, the Cincinnati Bearcats played – the Drake Bulldogs, um, not Drizzy. Um, the nice cats for what? The cats beat uh, the Bulldogs eighty-one to fifty-nine for a total of one forty. Uh, this is the bold bad beat of the week. If you were so bold enough to take the over in a Bearcats game, the over under was one forty-one point five. Josh had the over. I did have the over. Ooh. I also heard a hilarious story of uh, someone who was at the game that uh, ran into a very angry person on the bathroom who also had the over. <laughs> um, second, we'll go with the one, uh, the famous one from this week, Colorado State against Air Force. Air Force this had hurts. the lead 31-21. to 21. Colorado State, the spread 10.5 through a pick six. From like the five yard line. No, like the two yard line. The two line. yard line. They were about to score, um, which would have still sealed uh, the spread there. For, uh, there was about a minute and a half left in the game. Instead, they threw a pick six that was returned almost uh, over 90 yards, um, and that uh, broke that spread there um, for Colorado State. So if you had that, if you had Colorado State on the spread, I'm so sorry. Um, third, uh, Minnesota and Iowa. Uh, a dis- go on, on a, dis- a disappointment for so many reasons. The Big Ten just continues to devour itself. Uh, Iowa over Minnesota, twenty-three to nineteen. Minnesota was plus three. They missed that last extra point with three well, minutes left I mean, in the game. I mean, there was that, and minute. And anyway, watch that game. Minnesota looked like they had never run a two-minute offense before. They were taking their sweet time. This was bad. just this was just to push the spread. Uh, I know and you're they, gonna play about the spread. I'm just complaining about the game. Yeah, the game in general <laughs> and the big time continues to cannibalize itself. Kinnick, man, it's a nightmare. Uh, finally, I'll end on the Oklahoma Baylor game. Oklahoma won 34-31. For a total of 65 points, the over-under was 68 and a half. That's a three and a half gap there. Uh, the reason this one is so awful um, and the Big 12 is so awful and Baylor is so awful, Baylor scored those 31 points in the first half. They did not score again <laughs> in the second half. If they would have at least kicked a field goal or something, we would have uh, maybe gone to overtime. Big 12's a joke. And at the very least would have pushed that bet, but no. So I'm going to have a quick jeer for you. The worst beat of the week, maybe aside of the Colorado State game, 
was the 49ers-Cardinals game where mm. the Cardinals plus 10 are running a play down three, one of those lateral plays. Their offensive oh, lineman yes. just chucks the ball straight backwards. A 49er picks it up and runs it into the end zone. And then they don't kick the extra point. So it's 10 and everybody that's a newer, pushes. That's a newer rule. It's everybody like two pushes. Years. Because you used to have yeah. to kick the extra point, right. which would have given right. That would have given the eleven. Yep. Yeah. So I forgot what, about that one. That was a great you were one. On, it was just a miserable push. You and got your grumpy, Greg. What are you grumpy about? Oh, I got my grumble. Thank you. I'm grumpy. And Greg a made a grumpy. Grumpy grumble. <laughs> Go ahead, make a grumpy. Well, speaking of making a grumpy, I'm going to talk about the Browns. So, of course. Um, look. I'm a huge Browns fan. I love you the Browns. Say. Everybody that knows me is almost terrified by my uh, my Browns fandom. But my grumble is going to go out to Mac Wilson. Mac Wilson, the talented linebacker, rookie linebacker out of Alabama, posted a picture after all the brawl and whatnot of the last game. I don't remember exactly what the caption was, but it was just, you know, 1-0, keep fighting, basically. And there was a picture of him flexing or, you know, being excited with Juju Smith-Schuster after sustaining a concussion on the ground. And it's just a bad look for him. Thankfully, you know, I'm, I'm proud of Smith-Schuster for at least, you know, he commented on it, had a little joke for it. But it's just a terrible look for the Browns. It makes them look more like a dirty team or like a team that's going out to hurt someone. It's a bad look for the Browns, and it's one of a number of social media snafus that they've had. And... It just shows an undisciplined team that doesn't know when to talk, you know, and is unfocused and everything in the world. At the end of the day, be excited about a win. Post a picture of you and your teammates being excited. Don't post a picture of someone being hurt. Don't post a picture of something like that. I understand football is a violent game, but just be smarter. If the Browns were smarter, they'd be in such a better position right now. <laughs> you don't and say. Every turn... <laughs> They just that's all top down, off. man. That's top down. Broken all right. record, but before before I get any angrier, and so we can finish the show on a high note as we like to after our uh, grumbles and jeers and zingers, we're gonna finish off with our shout outs. Zach, who are you shouting out today? Never thought I'd shout out an Alabama player, but I do want to shout out to uh, um, as a college football fan general terribly sad to see that happen but we i wish him all the best and he's been entertaining he's a class act so shout out to uh, hope you feel better josh who are you shouting out uh i'm shouting out you big guy uh because you're gonna be gone next week thank um, god we've been teasing that all episode so i guess we'll finally put that out there uh uh you will be gone you will be uh, headed to the las vegas correct yeah, I'll be I'll be living all those I'll be living and dying and all Getting those bad that bottle beats. Service. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you live and die in those bad beats. You said how about you send us your bad beats from Vegas and uh we'll we'll bring it up. But next week, have no fear. Zach and Josh will be yeah, yeah. steering the ship, trying to make some sort of podcast without me to to keep them in line. So hope for the best. I'll, I know I'll be listening with, with bated breath to see how you guys do. <laughs> Uh, last off, my shout-out, um, going north of the border here, guys, Chris Matthews, uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers fan of the Canadian Football League, 
made a pledge to his friends 18 years ago when the Blue Bombers were in the Grey Cup final that he would not wear pants until the Blue Bombers won the Grey Cup. Well, they lost that year and they have not been winners of the Grey Cup since. But this weekend, the Blue Bombers punched their ticket to the Grey Cup final. So next weekend, be on the lookout with a Blue Bombers win. It will mean that Chris Matthews can wear pants for the first time in hey, 18 years. Let's go, Chris Blue Matthews, Bombers. Yeah. Get him some slacks. But yeah, get the man his slacks, man. Uh, we'll have to look for that on, uh, oh, yeah. maybe you can get that on social media for us. Or get we the will, we will get it. I will. Look, I'll make sure you guys get that final business. If there's a way I can bet on that in Vegas, which I'm sure there is, they'll probably oh, sure be some money sure going on the Grey Cup. But uh, we're going to wrap it up here. Thank you guys so much for rocking with us. Sorry for the Monday. Oh, thank Some you. of us are just very unprofessional. Mm. Don't know who that is. Thank, thank you to yeah. thank, thank you to Land Grant. This, this, this was awesome. I can't fantastic. wait to go pick up a case. I am. Once again, for those of you that want to suggest a beer, suggest a topic, suggest anything. We're open for suggestions here. 30 Rack Podcast on Twitter and Facebook. Find us on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify. Please tell your friends, tell your mother, tell your mother's friends. Tell, tell your that sister homeless and guy. Your tell whomstever. Thank you so much for listening. This is 30 Rack Podcast. 30 Rack of Sports, we out.